Um, well, we're launching today, uh, last night and today, this weekend, a collection of three messages uh, under the thought, why church? Why church? And uh, if we're going to pray in just a moment that God would, would speak to us, but if you have your, your Bibles, you can go to uh, Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 2, Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 2. But we're going to pray that God would just speak to us today, um, that, we would, uh, that we would be able to answer this question uh, with conviction. And uh, so let's pray. Will you all across all of our campuses pray with me? Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. And uh, I pray that today that we, the church, would be open to hear what you are speaking to us. And so I pray every distraction would be just cleared uh, out of the way, out of our minds. Um, Lord, I ask you again for a fresh anointing upon this word. I pray, God, that you would help me to have a, a prophetic anointing to what I speak. Not that I would hear, be here to talk about you, but that I would talk for you today, God. And so we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Well, a few years back, I was uh, in Denver, Colorado for the National Fine Arts Festival. Churches from all over the country were there uh, for this festival. And one morning of that convention, um, I was getting ready and I had packed with me uh, a football jersey. I'd gotten a new jersey and uh, a new jersey, that sounds funny, but I had gotten a, a new football jersey, a new Chiefs jersey, and so I, I, was good. I wore it that day, and so I wore it into the convention center and didn't think much about it. I knew a lot of people there. A lot of people there knew that I was a, a Chiefs fan, and so, uh, you know, some people would say little things or whatever. Not, not that big of a deal. A little later on in the day, I went to lunch with a couple friends. We walked down the downtown streets of Denver, Colorado, and we walked into this uh, little uh, restaurant, still not really thinking anything about it. I'm standing there in that waiting area of the restaurant there by the uh, host, and they're getting ready to seat us, and this guy walked in behind us, and uh, he had some Denver Broncos, uh, some, uh, some sort of clothing on. And when he walked in, uh, that's when I realized kind of what was going on. He started in on me, like he... He was basically picking a fight. He was ready to go just because I had that jersey on. And so he starts asking me about the Chiefs. And, oh, you think you're going to be good this year, hon? What do you think you're going to, what do you think your record's going to be? And he's just like just hitting these questions at me. And I'm sitting there like kind of like surprised a little bit. I wanted to be like, you know what? There are people actually higher up in the organization than I am, believe it or not. Like there's actually coaches and players. Like I don't, I don't play for them. I just happen to, you know, be a fan. So he's just nonstop like, basically expecting that, that we're going to go out and fight. And that, that's not, I just didn't think that was, I would be like, I'm here on church business. I can't be getting in fist fights, you know? Uh, so we go sit down at our table at our booth and I'm there with our friends. And so it's those, it's one of those restaurant booths that kind of like has a seat, a seat. And then on the back of your seat is another seat for the next people and on it goes. And so I see him walk to get seated at his table. Wouldn't you know, he gets seated at the booth directly behind me. So we're basically sharing the same chair. Now he spends the whole rest of lunch, he's still like going like this, making comments back at me all during lunch about football and about the, yeah, we'll see on September 25th whenever we play. Like he's still going on and on. Pardon me, I want to go, guy, come on, man, it's all right. Uh, and uh, 
after, the, after it was finally over, we get done with lunch. We left a little bit before them. I was like, hey, man, you know, have a great season. God bless. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to somehow make peace with them. And as I'm walking away, I, I kind of am realizing, kind of putting it together that really I kind of did that to myself. Like, I chose to devote myself at some point in my life, where I grew up in Kansas City, I chose to devote myself to that team. And I chose to wear that team's name on my back. And I chose to do that in Denver, Colorado, where the Broncos were certainly at that time one of our main rivals. And so I kind of felt like, you know what, I kind of did that to myself. But at no point in that, I guess what you could call persecution, at no point in that did I feel like backing away. At no point in that did I feel like taking off the jersey and be like, do you have any Broncos gear? I guess I'll root. Like, I never had that thought. Matter of fact, later on in that season when that we did play that game that he was referencing, if I remember correctly, we won that game. I wanted to fly back to Denver and go into that restaurant and be like, where you at? Let's do this. Like, I was ready. <laughs> but uh, I chose... Uh, in that moment to devote myself. And I, I think with, uh, when I think about these professional sports franchises, I think there's kind of like four levels of involvement and investment. I think, first of all, there's just the spectator, the casual spectator. A game might be on somewhere and you notice it and you, I don't really have a rooting interest, don't really follow either of those teams, but maybe I'm spectating, maybe I see it, maybe I'm in a restaurant and the game's on and, and well, I kind of see what the score, okay, that's fine. There's spectators, then there's fans though. There's fans where it's like, you, you feel it, you go with them, you, you read the articles and you buy the gear and, and um, we were actually at a restaurant the other night and the, uh, the Dodgers uh, were playing the, uh, the, the Nationals, and it was an elimination game. The season was going to be over for whichever team lost. The Dodgers were ahead, and then they kind of lost the game. Uh, and, and they were panning the crowd, the Dodgers crowd, and they all had their uniforms on, and they just looked so devastated, so wounded, so broken. We said, look at those Dodgers fans. Like, that's a fan, right? Like, you, you hurt, and you feel with the team. So you got the spectators, the fans. Then you have like the team. And, and when I say team, I would say that it extends beyond just the players, but you have the team as far as maybe executives or maybe office people and coaches and the staff and, and, uh, and the players certainly. And so all of those people, they might, uh, might affect the overall well-being of the franchise. But beyond that, spectators and fans and the team, beyond that, there's a group that, that you could call them various things. I, for this purpose, I'd call them impact players. You could call them all-stars. You could call them, uh, you know, main play, like whatever, impact players. And I would say those are the players that if the team wins, it's because of them. We all know, we all know who that is. Well, now, when we talk about the church, when we ask the question, why church? I would start by saying this. I don't think that the church is built for those levels of involvement and investment. I don't think the church is built for the spectator. There may be somebody at one of our campuses today, somebody maybe in this room who just came through and they're just spectating. Be like, I'm, just, I'm not planning on being all involved. I wasn't singing the songs. I wasn't giving. And I, I'm just kind of here. Just, I'm just checking it out. I'm just spectating. Look, I am so glad you're here. And my prayer for you is that you go from spectator to some of these other levels. But uh, the church isn't really built for just spectators. The church really isn't built uh, for fans. Some of us go, no, I kind of like this church or that church. I kind of like the, you know, the church, but you know, whatever, I'm not that uh, invested, I'm not that involved. Uh, there's fans. Uh, I don't think the church is even built for, for that just to be on the team. 
But you know what? I think the calling on each and every one of your lives are, I think it's your, there's a calling on your life to be impact players. There's a calling on your life that when the church wins, it's because of you. It's because of your involvement. It's because of your investments. It's because of your passion for the church. And you know what? We get, I'm going to say it again, we get to be a part of something special. The church is a special organization. The, spur, the church is a special organism. I mean, we get to be a part of something special. And although there have been uh, issues, right, through the, through, the, through the years, we can look back and see moments when maybe, rare moments when, when there was poor leadership in a particular church or where some maybe pastor, maybe a well-known pastor had a, had a failure. Or we can look back and see a, see a denomination, maybe not handle some scandal, right? Or maybe there was... Uh, uh, mismanagement of money. Like I, I know there have been some issues with that, but I will tell you this, that though have, there have been issues with people, I'll tell you this, the church of Jesus Christ will stand. The church of Jesus Christ will go forward. The church of Jesus Christ will not only survive, but it will thrive. How do I know that? Because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. That's how I can be confident that the church is going to thrive. Because in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, and I, and I chose just the New Living Translation, I just liked the way it was worded, upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's still true in, in 2019. Jesus said, on this rock, he said, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I like that Jesus said, I'll build my church. I think we should kind of follow Jesus' example. I like that, my church. That it's not just the church. It's not just a church. It's not just, oh, I'm, I go over there at that church. No, no, no. You know what? This is my church. Anybody in this house thankful for your church? That this is your church and we get to be a part of something special. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to show you a quick video of just a, a couple of specific stories where people were just especially grateful uh, for their church. Check this out. Dear Faith Assembly, Dear Church, Dear Pastor, Faith has been there for me when I was facing eviction and dealing with depression. Hi, my name is Anita, and this is what our church means to us. Hi, I'm Barbara Bloomer. Hi, my name is Christopher Otero. I've been a member of Faith Assembly for about six to seven years now. We've attended Faith Assembly for about 14 years. I've been a member for 30 some years. <laughs> for some of you guys that may know us, we have um, a child that does have a medically uh, complex syndrome. And with that, we've had to experience some things um, in this last couple of years that we never thought we would experience. In 2016, my husband was diagnosed with glioblastoma stage four, which is brain cancer. Last November, I lost my brother and it was a very difficult time for me and my family. And it was his first surgery, never had surgery before, and obviously it was a huge surgery. Um, and through that process, we did go into having some complications um, and ended up being in the ICU for about 41 days. It seemed like my family was looking for all the answers in all the wrong places, and I'm the only saved one in my family. So it was very difficult um, because it's like, I know the answer. After my husband passed, there was a lot of loneliness, even though um, my kids were wonderful. I found myself like feeling very alone in that, um, in that whole situation. Being a widow, just being devastated, now being alone, 
having been married for 20 years to the love of my life. We get a knock at our door and it's a couple members from The Voice. And even through the illness, the church was there for us. And they came with this bucket um, just full of like goodies and snacks and just like it was like a comforting thing. And um, I remember in that moment like feeling like, wow, like. We got to see what our community, um, our church community was like, that what they preach and what they say was reality. Um, and in some of those moments, you know, we had people from from our pastors to volunteers to um, many of the ladies from Special Blessings that came over to see me in the hospital and, and they prayed with me and they uh, brought us food and they spent time with Elijah. The church was there for us. Um, they brought us meals. It's beyond just attending a church service and it's beyond just um, coming here for a service like these people actually like care and these people want to invest in me and these people want to make sure that I'm doing well and doing okay and just like that opened my eyes to just what the church truly is and how the church truly should be and it just showed me just deeper ways of love and choir has been such a great family and we just thank everybody for that it is important to go to our church to be encouraged and to help each other being together helps us thrive in love, in our jobs, and in our relationships. When we have healthy relationships, our lives are enriched. We experience happiness and joy. Come to our church. We love you. My prayer now is to reach out to others and help them and to give them what has been given to me from our church family to extend um, to them that ministry and that healing. And I was pretty much in the back of the youth auditorium and I just broke down and like I don't remember looking up or anything but I just felt like at least 10 different hands would lay on me and start praying over me and just loving on me and hugging me and praying for peace and like that's when I knew like this is family like Faith Assembly in general has done such a well job it's such a big church yet they make it feel so small and everyone's so well connected and that's something that I'll like forever be grateful for. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for our church. <clears throat> Perhaps there's uh, some of you today that you're feeling like um, you can remember a moment or a season when the church was especially the church for you. Um, we would, we'd love to hear uh, about it, just a couple sentences, and it doesn't mean that we would put you on, a, a, on the video screen. We might just read the text or something as part of this, uh, these talks, but uh, if, if you have a moment like that, you're thinking about a moment like that, you could take a picture of that screen and, and uh, maybe later on uh, this afternoon or something, shoot us a couple sentences that just explain the time uh, when the church was especially uh, present and beneficial for you. Um, we're going to read in Acts chapter 2 uh, this passage of Scripture, and we'll probably spend some time over these next couple of weeks looking at this Acts 2 church, this early uh, church. It's the church at its most uh, probably pure uh, stage and its most uh, innocent, it's certainly its most original design uh, season. And so Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll look at verse 41 and 42 uh, as we ask ourselves the question, why church? Verse 41 says, those who accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. Verse 14, let me read verse 42 one more time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now once these early Christ followers, they they come to Christ and uh, they they begin to kind of be the church, form uh, the church. We're we're not called to just live in and around the church, but we're called to be the church. So now here they are. They are the church, and the Bible says they devoted themselves. They decided that they were going to be devoted to something. They devoted themselves not to a sports team. Uh, They devoted themselves not to some, uh, some cause or some political party. They devoted themselves to the church. They devoted themselves to being the church. And and as we ask the question, why church? Uh, We can see some of the answers here, uh, certainly in Acts 2. Why did they devote themselves to the church? Because as part of the church, they found instruction. That's the first thing that jumped out to me there in, in verse number 42. They find instruction. They devoted themselves, the Bible says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. These 3,000 new converts, now they need to sit under uh, biblical teaching and preaching so that, that they can grow and not just be converts, not just be somebody who might be familiar with some things about Jesus, but now they're going from being converts to disciples. And those moments of instruction, moments like this are still so valuable to all of us. And some of us, maybe we've only been saved for three days or for three weeks. And you, you're in this moment, you're like, man, I, I know I need moments like this and seasons like this where I can learn about what God is speaking to me. And, and it is true. But even if you've been saved for maybe three years or, or three decades or, or more than that, you know what? You still need moments like this. And the church said, Amen. Yes, we do. It would be a dangerous place for us to fall into, a dangerous trap if we start to think, oh, you know what? I got this figured out. I mean, I've been going to church for a while. I know everything that's going to happen. I know what they're going to say before they say it. Like, I'm already so familiar. It doesn't matter if I show up. It doesn't matter if I'm around. That's a dangerous mindset, a dangerous trap to fall into. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 10. This is what he said. He said, so if you think you are standing firm, Be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm, if you think you got it all figured out, if you think you've been saved so long that you know the Bible inside and out that God doesn't have a fresh word for you, if you think that you're standing firm, well, then you better be careful that you don't fall. Back in the, a few years back when kind of newspapers were a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, more staple in, in life and in communication, a little bit more the way more people got their their news, uh, newspapers would do something, they would do a, a letter to the editor, and so people would, would, would write a letter to the editor, mail it in, then it would get, it would get selected and posted in the newspaper, uh, and so people could be like, did you see I made the newspaper? So that's kind of how it was, and this story I read about happened back then when, when that was the normal practice. A churchgoer, though, writes a letter to the editor, and the editor posts it in the, uh, in the newspaper, and in that letter, the churchgoer is complaining Uh, that he said it makes no sense for me to go to church every Sunday. That's kind of how he was framing his letter. This is what he said. He said, I've gone for 30 years uh, and in the time that I've heard, and in the time that I've been going to church for 30 years every week, he said, in that time I've heard something like 3,000 sermons, but for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. 
So I think I'm wasting my time and the pastors are wasting theirs by giving sermons at all. Amen, this is what he wrote. How encouraging. So then people start to respond. So people read this and, and some people taking his side, some people take another, other, another side. And, but it goes on for some period of weeks where people are writing in in response to the letter to the editor. This is what I think about that. This is what I think. So this chain of the people like getting the newspaper excited to see what the next person's gonna say. It went on for several weeks until one letter kind of clinched the whole argument. This is what another person wrote in uh, that kind of, kind of ended the whole deal. He said this, he said, I have been married to my wife for 30 years now. And in that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals for me. And for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu from a single one of those meals. He said, but I do know this. They all nourished me. They gave me strength that I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me those meals, he said, I'd be physically dead today. He goes on, he writes, likewise, if I had not gone to a church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. The church is still, amen. The church is still the ideal place for us to come and get our spiritual nourishment. This is still the place that we come and we hear the word of God preached and we hear the word of God taught and it brings nourishment to our spiritual life. It it helps us to continue and do the work that God's called us to do. This is still the environment that is best for that to happen in. And maybe some of us would think, well, you know, I mean, isn't there other ways that we could somehow get that nourishment? Let me put it to you like this. I don't know if anybody in this room is like this. Like, like I am, I'm a person of craving. Like I will crave certain foods at certain time of the day and it is so strong and it is so specific. I mean, I, sometimes in the afternoons, I will crave a cookie so bad, I will have a cookie-shaped hole in my stomach that can only be filled by a softer, you know, chocolate chip cookie type of a thing. Uh, you know, like, it's just such a, it's so specific, it's such a craving, or sometimes I'll just, I'll have a craving for a Dairy Queen blizzard. Heath Bar blizzard, make sure there's the chocolate syrup in there. So I just say, like, and it'll be so specific, like, and I could eat other things, but it just won't satisfy. Anybody feel that, that craving sometimes? Yeah. Oh, it's so specific, but I've learned something over my life. I've learned that my craving is not always crucial to my nourishment. I've even learned that many times my craving actually works against my nourishment. That if all I do is follow my little desires and my little craving, I'm I'm not gonna be as healthy as I could be. Sometimes it's not about what I could eat. Sometimes it's about what I should eat. And so we live in a day and age where there is plenty of teaching and preaching of God's word all over the place. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we can pull up podcast after podcast and watch YouTube video after YouTube video of teaching and preaching of God's word. I'm thankful for that. But here can be the problem, the challenge with that, is if I start to get in this mindset of thinking, well, I'll just pick and choose. I kind of have a craving for a message on this, and I kind of have a tickling for this speaker. I want to hear this sermon. I want to hear that. And we start to pick and choose what we're going to hear, and that's different. Now, here's the thing. T.D. Jakes is a fabulous chef. He's making some great food. And Stephen Furtick, he's a great chef. He's making some, but they're not preparing meals for your specific dietary needs. There's something about belonging to a local body where there's leadership that's praying and saying, God, what are you saying to our church right now? And when you're committed to your church, 
and you're committed under the, the preaching and teaching of your church, there will be a balance to your life, right? There'll be a, there'll be a, a nourishment to who you are in Christ. And so there's got to be that commitment that they, they make a, the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why church? Because as part of the church, not only did they find instruction, but they found connection. Because they devoted themselves to the church, it says they devoted themselves uh, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. There's not an end in between those, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. Those two were put together, and the breaking of bread there might include like the Lord's Supper, but it was more probably just about kind of doing meals together, just doing life together and having fellowship. And that word fellowship, the, the Greek word that gets translated fellowship, it, it means more than just being in the same place. Because you can be in the same place with somebody and not be in fellowship with them. You can sit in the same building and not be in fellowship. Matter of fact, you can sit in the same room with somebody and be going opposite directions. But the word fellowship is stronger than that. The word fellowship really means to have in common. It means to have a shared goal, a shared pursuit. That's what fellowship is. And there is something supernatural that happens when we come together. You were designed for community. You were created for community. And uh, if you don't find community in the church, if you have not yet found community in the church, what will happen is you'll spend your life trying to find community somewhere because you were created for community. So you're constantly going to be looking for some group to be a part of, for, to go somewhere where somebody knows your name. That's, that, that, that's why some people go to the bars. That's why some people go to the, to, the, to the leagues. And that's why some people go and they get involved in maybe some, you know, some cause at the, at the, at the schools. or But a lot a lot of people, they're just searching for that community because that's what we were created for. Now, here's my question that I pose for everyone. If you have not or if you don't choose to find your community within the family of believers, then where will you find it? And the bigger question is this. What will their values be? That community, because you're going to find it, you're going to crave it, it's going to be satisfied. And when you get around them, how are they going to respond when their marriage is hitting the rocks? How are they going to cope with the stress when stress level comes up? How are, what, what's going to be their goals and what's going to be their pursuits with that community? Because here's the thing, however my community is around me, that's going to really form who I am a lot. There's, there's very little that, that creates in us who we are more than the people that we choose to do life with. And so these people find a community that says they were devoted to fellowship. Church, you're not just called to believe. Sometimes we think, well, if I just believe on Jesus, and yes, you're called to believe on Jesus, but you're also called not just to believe, but you're called to belong. You're called to be, belong in, in this body uh, called the church. C.S. Lewis noted that the word membership is of Christian origin. There was no concept, there was no word uh, that would communicate this thought of membership until it was uh, surfaced within the church. To Paul, I mean, being a member of the church, he likened it to being a vital organ in a living body, indispensable, interconnected, and in, in, in part of the body of Christ. And, and I guess I would say this about the church. The church, it's not a building. 
It's a body. The church is an organism, not just an organization. This is, this is something real. The way Paul says it uh, to the Colossian church and to the Corinthian church, he says it that, like this. And I, I, want you to, I want you to really receive this. Don't just let this kind of pass over. But come on, receive this as a word for you. He says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. If I, just say, if I just read the first part, you are the body of Christ, we go, okay, yeah. But then he stops and he goes, no, 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 each one of you, each and every one of you is a part of it. And then he says to the Colossian church, and he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, those boards that sometimes at an amusement park or at a fair or something, it'll be something painted on the board with a, a face hole cut out where you put your head in there for pictures. And uh, certainly everybody at this campus is like, yeah, I've seen one of those somewhere. Where is that? It's right, yeah, I've been on stage the whole time. Here's Chewbacca. And so it, these, these, uh, these are made to where, uh, you know, somebody comes up behind here and you put your, your face in. All right. I was waiting for somebody to take a picture of it. Nobody cared. All right, that's fine. That's all good. Too late. You missed your moment. Got to be quick with the draw. So what makes those funny, what makes those interesting, worth taking a picture of, is the contrast, right? Like if this was a painted picture of like my body with my little black suit on, and that's what was painted there, and then I went by and I was like, oh, and everybody was like, I know, that looks the same as it did when you were out in front of the board, like what's the point? The reason why this is funny is because the contrast, because it's Chewbacca's body and my face, and we go, oh, ha ha, that's, it's the, it's the, that's what looks unusual. Now, if we say that Paul says to the church, right, we're the body and Christ is the head, here is my question. What does it look like? We've got to be concerned with the thought is when, when we put the head of Christ on the body of the church, what does that look like? Does it look contrasting? Does it look abnormal? When we have Christ the head on top of a, of a, of a dirty, disconnected, deformed body? Or does it look right? Because if you're not whole and here and you're not healthy, then, then it just doesn't work because Christ's head needs to be on the body of the church and the body needs to be in the right place for that to happen. And that includes you. That includes you being a part of this. When you're not here, when you're not healthy, when you're not whole, we're not right. So they found, uh, they found connection. They found instruction. And, and why the church? Because when you're part of the church, you find communion. And by communion, I don't necessarily just mean uh, the observation of the Lord's Supper. The word communion actually means the sharing and exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And uh, the way... It says in verse 42 of Acts 2, it says this, that they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I think there's a reason why prayer is listed in the order that it's listed when it's talking about the things that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to breaking bread. And then it says, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And I think the reason why prayer comes uh, last in this list of things that they devoted themselves to is because they would not have achieved that level of prayer, devotion to prayer, if they had not been devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. But it was in moments like this 
with people like this that it, 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 it did something. It triggered something in them that they wanted to know Jesus even more. Because this prayer, this devotion to prayer was not just a weekly gathering. It was not just a, I'll come visit Jesus for a little while and then I'll go home and I'll do my life. No, Jesus broke into their day to day. There was a devotion to daily prayer. There was a devotion to daily relationship with Jesus and that would not have happened if they hadn't been committed to instruction and, and connection with God's people. There was a power in the early church. And uh, we will never exercise the power that the early church had until we exemplify the prayer that the early church had. Those two will always be connected. They devoted themselves to prayer. The Greek word that gets translated prayer here, it has uh, a connection to it. It has this, it's, it's an intimacy. It has within it a closeness that I'm, I'm asking, uh, I'm, I'm requesting something to someone uh, that I'm close to. It's not just a, a distance, not just when I get in trouble every so often and then I, my life is falling apart. So then I'll go, God, it's me again. I don't know if you remember me like that. Whole, no, no, no. This was a, this was a daily. Like, I know God. I know God's voice. And that's, that's the church. That's the connection, right, of the body to the head. Sometimes we might get caught in the ritual of church and we might miss the relationship with Jesus. Most of us know of some marriage that didn't work, right? And, and maybe as we look back on certainly any number of those, and, and, and there's all kinds of different reasons why that could happen, but one of the things that happens seems, seems seemingly fairly often is there is a, a loss of relationships. Sometimes the ritual of life, married couples can begin to substitute the ritual of life for relationship with one another. And we think, well, because we're in the same house and maybe sleeping in the same bed and we're always doing you know, all the same stuff that we're just in great relationship. And sometimes it's not. The relationship has dwindled, but the ritual is still there. That same thing can happen to us with church. That this ritual can be what we, what we kind of think and it replaces. Listen, the, the ritual of church attendance was never meant, the, the church was never meant to uh, replace your relationship with Jesus. The church is here to uh, reinforce your relationship with Jesus. When we come together, it makes us want to know Jesus more. It makes us hungrier for Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays to spend time, you know, with God and knowing God. That's, if, and if that's not the case, if, if this has become ritual for us, then we're not doing it right. No, they, they devoted themselves to prayer, to truly knowing Jesus and being close to Jesus. Well, I wonder if we ask Jesus the same question. Is the, the title of this uh, series, Why Church? I wonder if we ask Jesus, I wonder if he would give the, the answer that we expect him to give. Let me, let me lay it out like this. If when this service is over, I head out to the, um, to the atrium and Several of you walk by, and maybe some one of you stops me, and you go, hey, Pastor John, I just wanted to say, um, man, I really love you. And I would smile, oh, man, that's awesome. And then you say, you know what, and you've really helped me a lot. And I would smile even bigger, oh, thank you, that means a lot. And then you'd say, you know what, and I would love to just really build a stronger relationship with you. And I'm like, oh, cool. And we're all good, right? Big smile on my face. But then if you followed that up with this, however, I'd be like, oh, okay. Say, uh, man, your wife, I cannot stand your wife. Now, my wife is in the service this morning, and uh, so how many know that if you, your wife, I said, oh, hold on, what now? And you're like, yeah, I mean, she's fake, 
she's mean, she's boring, she's irrelevant. Like, I, I can't hardly stand your wife, so I'm just telling you, I can't stand. How many know that our conversation is gonna continue at this point? Like, we're gonna have this, we're gonna figure this thing out. Matter of fact, it might continue out in the parking lot. I'm not gonna fight. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight over a football team, but I could be tempted to fight over this, right? Like, no, not really, not really. Not really, maybe. I know, not really. How many know that this conversation has just taken a turn that I am not ready for? I'm not ready. You can tell me all day, no, I, I love you. I want, to have, I want to have a deeper relationship with you. Your feelings about my wife is truly going to affect our relationship. That's going to happen. I'm, I'm just telling you, that's going to happen with any of us. Now, we can go to Jesus and we can say, hey, Jesus, um, I love you, Jesus. What do you, think, what do you think Jesus' thoughts is when somebody comes and says, Jesus, I love you? And uh, you've really helped me, Jesus. And Jesus, I would love to deepen and strengthen my relationship with you. However, Jesus, I have a problem with your wife. Uh, you know, Ephesians chapter 5 is a, is, a, is a chapter that's all about marriage, like physical, earthly marriage. But within that, Paul says something that is, that is uh, very important. He says, husbands, love your wives. He's talking about us. Like he's talking about our, us, human husbands, loving our wives. And he goes, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Christ died for his bride for the church to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. If I go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. I want relationship with you. You've done a lot for me, but I don't like the church. It's not going to work. It's going to affect my relationship with Jesus if I have some sort of weird, wrong in feelings and impression about his bride, the church. And for somebody listening somewhere right now, there's a light going on because you have felt like there's always been a challenge to have good, true, right relationship with Jesus and you could not ever figure it out. And right now God is speaking to you. He says because there's been an unhealthy level of distrust or disconnection about the church, his bride. No, this is God's plan, the church. And we are grateful, we are privileged that we get to be called his church. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes in this auditorium right now, across all of our campuses, bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. God, I'm thankful that we get to be your church. And I pray right now for every person that is been hearing your word today under this instruction, I pray, God, that each one of us would maybe think right now as we pray, we, we, we kind of hear in our spirit one or two or three or four things that we could do to better be the church. That maybe, God, you're calling us to lean into instruction more and to hear and be under your word and, God, be faithful in moments like this. Maybe you're calling us to greater connection with, with God's people. Maybe we felt disconnected and we've kind of lived in that. But God, you're calling us to greater connection. Maybe you're calling us to greater communion with you, God, that this wouldn't just be a weekly thing, but you, our relationship with you, God, would be daily. We'd hear your voice, know your voice, speak to us today. But God, I also pray for those that right now are outside. They're outside this mystical family, this mystical body called the church. 
And I pray today that there would be a life transformation. There'd be heart change in every single one of those that would land in that category in Jesus' name with nobody looking around and nobody really being distracted by anything right now because this is an important moment. But there are some here and we can talk about church membership and there is physical, literal church membership, you know, at, at churches, at, at this church, and it's biblical, and you should pray about it and be a part of your church. But beyond that, there is a membership into the, you know, mystical church that is uh, the church of Jesus worldwide. And that happens, you become a part of his body through a doorway called repentance, where I am sorry enough for my past that I confess his name, his power to save me, my belief in his uh, shed blood and his death in my place. And when I do that, I become his body. I become his bride. And there are many under the sound of my voice right now who need to make that decision today. You're outside a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never served God or maybe it's been a long time uh, and, and you have, uh, you've, you've walked away from him. But today is a day where God is saying to you, come back, come to me. Let, let, let me wash you with my word. That's why Christ gave himself up for you. So if you're here today at any of our campuses, you need to get right with God. You know who you are. I'm gonna quickly count to three. If that's you, just slip up your hand because I wanna pray for you before we close out. Are you ready? Hands are already going up, actually. One, two, three. Come on, I need to get right with God. Yeah, 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 yeah all over the place. Anybody else? I need to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else there at Michigan Street campus, there at Curry Ford campus, Redbug campus. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. Why don't we do this? Why don't we all at all of our campus, why don't we stand to our feet here at Curry Ford? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to dismiss in about two minutes. Let's hold steady for two more minutes. But as you stand, I want to tell you what we're going to do today to close this service out. We're going to do something that we do fairly often, but it's not, it's not a, uh, just a routine thing. It's a special moment. Pastor John's getting ready to sing. When he does, I'm going to invite all of you who lifted your hand, dozens and dozens of you that lifted your hand saying, I need to get right with God. I will invite you to come and step forward and allow us to pray with you, pray for you, see God just do something incredible in your life. But also, some of you are in this room and you need the church. You need the church to come alongside you and support you. You need somebody to come alongside and pray because you've been battling a diagnosis. You've been battling something going on in your body, something going on in your home, something going on in your marriage. You've been, you've been working through something at, at, at your job. Like I, I, There's a, the heaviness that you've been carrying and God says, no, that's why I put the church there. So some of you, you just need prayer. You need somebody to lift you up. I encourage you, as we get ready to sing, I want you to step out and come as we sing. Come on.